0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: Hello, this is Emily
0: Swallow, the armorer from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to the Canned Air podcast. This is the way. Thank you.
2: Welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I am Randy Hardenbrook. And returning to the show, we had this gentleman on at Halloween. He came on to tell a pretty cool ghost story about a Polaroid taken at Kings Island. If you want to know about it, you've got to go listen to the episode, people. And I strongly recommend <laughs> it because it was a hell of a lot of fun. But we welcome back four-time Emmy Award-winning broadcast film critic, producer, editor, cartoonist. This guy is a jack of so many trades. Hell yeah. We welcome back Brian Erty. Brian, thank you so much for being here, man.
0: Thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be back.
2: We've been looking forward to this. <laughs> uh, you know, ever since we first talked to you, we thought, man, this is a, uh, a very cool guy, like-minded kind of guy. And uh, after researching uh, you today, we kind of are in somewhat of the same wheelhouse <laughs> with uh, stuff we do. So we'll kick, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But before we do, we're going to be uh, commemorating Bob Saget today. Just talking about Bob Saget and what he's meant to us over the years, that kind of stuff. Yeah, nothing too heavy, but uh, at the same time, it feels like uh, we de- something we definitely need to address. We don't always address when a celebrity passes, but. Uh, this one really stomped. Hit home, yeah. Really hit hard. So I uh, feel like we have to do that. And then, uh, again, after that, we're going to turn our attention over to Brian. But before we do anything, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. And if you head over to com, there's a few different ways you can support the show if you would like. There are uh, There's a merch tab where you can get T-shirts mugs stickers and also a link to our patreon where you can get access to the candare patreon pod candare radio theater the comic vault candare classics amongst many other special projects all kinds of stuff on there for you to check out Patreon.com forward slash candarepod or just candarepodcast.com. Hit the Patreon link. Randy, what am I forgetting? So if you're listening
1: to us on whatever podcast player, uh, if you wouldn't mind giving us a like and review, we'd really appreciate it. That goes a long way. It doesn't seem like much, but it really does.
2: That it truly does.
1: And also, if you're listening in and uh, are interested kind of about what we do and maybe want to uh, get a little bit... Uh, more into it as opposed to patreon or just kind of listening uh you know become part of the like like street street
2: team team support kind (laughs) of a thing yeah
1: (laughs) you know just kind of help us with some grassroots marketing and maybe hang out with us at some cons and stuff like that you know feel free to send us a message we'd love to hear from you
2: absolutely absolutely so let's kick it off with this week's retro roundtable and here we go (laughs)
1: <laughs>
2: all right guys bob saget again how uh heart-wrenching was that to hear you know we just recently lost uh betty white which uh was horrible to hear too but you know uh, uh, at 99 years old she had an amazing career she was an amazing person but you know it didn't come as such a big surprise again 99 years old but bob saget isn't somebody that i had ever at sixty five, you know, yeah. it just he had so much more time left, and right. it just seemed like such a shock. Like I, I, it's still hard to believe.
1: Not to make light of anybody's passing, but you know, we we've heard Betty White has quote unquote died so many times on you know Facebook with the rumor mill and stuff. I think maybe it wasn't as impactful as you know somebody that you never would have expected And it, i don't
2: know why people have to do that no, kind of no, crap even because i did see some of that stuff myself where people I, I, I don't know what you take from that what you get out of that no just but,
1: oh hey i started a rumor yeah. huh, huh.
2: what about you uh uh brian what did uh, bob saget kind of mean to you growing up you know
0: i wasn't a super huge fan of bob saget at first um i yeah i was long past sitcoms when full house came out but America's Funniest Home Videos. I loved that show. And the thing that kind of irritated me about that show at first was Bob Saget's narration over top of the little videos.
1: Yeah. I just, (laughs) I never got
0: it. And when I finally did was when I got into television production. And I realized that if you had aired those clips just raw. Some of those funny moments take 10, 20, 30 seconds of kind of setup before they happen. Sure. And, and if you leave that to be dead space, I mean, that's an audience, audience interest killer. I mean, right, you're right. dead. And then I was like, oh, OK, I get it. I understood why you had to have it. And then I discovered Bob Saget's uh, stand up. Yeah. And oh, my God. Everything I thought I knew about Bob Saget's style of humor went out the window because his stuff is raw, <laughs> and hysterical, and oh my god, I, I didn't see that coming. So no. I actually went back and started watching uh, some of the older episodes of American's Funniest Home Videos again, and sort of understanding where he was coming from and you know his type of sense of humor. I just thought he, he's the best, and yeah. I just couldn't get enough of a stand-up and any opportunity. I, uh, Amazon had a lot of specials come in and, uh, yeah, just a big fan. I became a big fan, which really surprised me.
2: Yeah. And I, I can't remember exactly the first time, but I, you know, I guess the first time I ever saw him say anything out of, you know, the family family man character would have been on like Half Baked. He made a cameo at the uh, at the rehabilitation center where he was like, marijuana isn't a drug. You ever suck dick for coke? You know, like, it's like, holy shit, did Bob Saget just say that? But yeah, then to hear his stand up was, um, wow, wow mind blowing because you, you just thought I had no, you, you know, the pre- preconceived notion I had of this guy is so far off. Right. And, you know, it just also makes you uh, kind of think about other people you might have a preconceived notion about, you know, just because they're playing this character, this role, doesn't not mean that's who they are. But, um, you know, it's it's America's Funniest Home Videos, one thing uh, that I was noticing, because I went and kind of looked at some of those episodes again today myself. And one thing that I never noticed before, because, you know, I, the, the cheesy jokes and little skits that he would do between uh, the sets of videos. Sometimes we just kind of made you want to grit your teeth a little bit, like, oh, that was so cheesy. But there are so many times I noticed where he kind of looks off of, off to the side, like at the producers or the cameraman, and kind of like laughs. And he goes, who's writing this stuff? Like, <laughs> right. did I really have to... Like, you, he addresses the cheesiness in there. So that made me have a, a greater uh, respect, I guess, for that medium. Not that I ever didn't respect. I mean, when that show was on the air, it was you know, in the infancy of the internet, you know? Oh, yeah. So there was no YouTube. There was no Instagram, no TikTok. God, I still wish there wasn't TikTok. (laughs) But, um, you know, God, it's here and not going anywhere. But I don't know. between, Between America's Funniest Home Videos and Full House, like, you know, in the mid to late 80s, early 90s, you know, that's when I was, uh, you know, growing up, that's when I was a kid. And he really was kind of like the host of your uh, weekend, kind of in yeah. a way, you know what I mean? Like Friday, sure. that Friday night kicked off TGIF, he was there to welcome you to the weekend. And then Sunday nights, it was the last thing you watched uh, before your week started over. And uh, right. I kind of just sunk in today. I when I was thinking about this.
1: Yeah, I I grew up with uh America's Funniest Home Videos as well, and any my parents and I didn't have a lot of family time together just because they worked a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So um basically anytime we like got to sit down, it was something for like America's Funniest Home Videos. So yeah. you know we just kind of that was kind of like family bonding time for me. So it just yeah. always had that kind of
2: everyone family. sat down and laughed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I think it's, it's what spawned our family to get a camcorder. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Same with my dad. You know, I
1: want to win $10,000, make some cash.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, Jump
1: down the steps, son.
2: Okay. <laughs> I was thinking about the poor bastards that worked behind the scenes at that show. Cause as big of a phenomenon as it was and being that VHS was the medium, can you imagine how many of those damn things were coming in on the daily and oh, how many sure. they had to go through? Like, Oh my god. They they had to just been like smelting them in the back like when they were done to get rid of them. Like what would you do? Yeah.
0: Okay. You can't scan through a VHS tape the way that you could just whip through digital footage now. No. I mean that required you to watch. Yeah. You know? And I yeah, I can't imagine the sheer number of tapes that they probably got hit with every single day. Insane.
2: Absolutely insane. <laughs> There's probably a landfill with these things. I mean, I can't imagine. <laughs> it whatever number i come up with in my head it's got to be like triple that
1: oh for sure yeah you know i do remember didn't he do the narration for how i met your mother
2: he did okay i, I was never yes. a big fan of that show but um he definitely was yeah like the older version of the the main guy from the show right right, right
0: yeah here's here's something um in doing my my memorial video for him yesterday i was looking online and uh came across something that did not occur to me and i had only recently about a year ago um watched the movie uh dirty work with uh oh norm mcdonald
2: God. yeah
0: he directed that
2: really yeah i did not know that that is such and a we, good movie and having just lost norm mcdonald not too long ago either yeah
0: that's the thing that surprised me is it's just like, you know, Norm Macdonald and and the two of them working together. I mean, how fun would that have been on set? Chris Farley hanging around. I mean, that would have been incredible.
2: Artie Lang. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. Absolutely. I'd love to see that video you put together. If there's somewhere uh, we could view it, if you could send a link, I'd love to see it.
0: Sure. I can do that. And I'm also trying to, dig up a video i interviewed bob saget uh i only ever met him once and it was on a red carpet okay and um it was in 2016 when they released fuller house the sequel oh yeah and i'm not a super big fan of red carpets they're long and they're it's very competitive it's very hot you're kind of squashed in with a group of people and you're all fighting to talk to one another every man yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. And I did something I know nev- that I never would have done for a typical press junket. Cause I don't, you don't like to do anything that brings attention to yourself because if you do, you're not going to get invited back. But for this, I had an idea of something that I thought would be funny. Um, I mean, it's a terrible dad joke and I apologize in advance, but I had a t-shirt made. I took the full house cast photo from 1987 and I photoshopped Hugh Laurie in it, Full House, which I thought was hysterical at the time. Okay, do you get the connection?
2: I, I don't. I'm sorry.
0: Hugh, Hugh Laurie was in a TV show called House, the Doctor TV show. Oh, so, okay. okay yeah. Yes,
2: got you now. It, see, the fact that I have to explain that shows
0: how <laughs> bad of a joke that was that, that I'd done to myself. But I showed up at this red carpet and um, I was wearing just a nice jacket with that T-shirt on. And um, I, th- I don't remember the studio, I think the studio may have been Netflix, but one of their rips, well, reps was not amused. Saw my t-shirt and didn't, didn't think it was too funny. And had there been more time between when we were gonna start, it, I, I might've been asked to go and change, but, there, the, but things were a little crazy. We were just getting ready to start. And as the very celebrities are coming down the red carpet, at one point, um, Bob Saget is making his way down you get a minute, maybe two minutes, and he walks up to me, and I engage with the typical celebrity question and the answers. And at one point, he glances down and he sees my T-shirt, and he bursts out laughing. He goes, "That's hysterical! Where'd you get that?" <sighs> I was like, "Well, actually, I made it." <laughs> and I said, "It almost got me thrown off the red carpet because I don't think Netflix people were too funny." And that was the point at which he he was. He was dying because he's like, look, no, that's great. If you can, if your homemade bad joke T-shirt can get you thrown off a red carpet, you're, you're doing well.
2: So, <laughs> that's awesome. I, I was like, all right. That's I'll, a I'll cool take that story. So, that's awesome. That was a lot of fun. What a cool memory to have. And what fucking prudes, you know, to even consider being upset with you over such a thing? <laughs> like what, what could have that possibly hurt?
0: Oh, I, I and I know publicists. So I'll tell you exactly what the problem was. They didn't have a problem that I, I had a full house T-shirt on, but they had a problem that I had a different franchise mixed with oh. their IPO. That's what they didn't like. It could have I been see. the funniest thing in the world. It could have been the funniest thing in the world, but the fact that I had the audacity to merge intellectual properties—that's a no-no. Gotcha. So.
2: I see. All the same, lighten up, Netflix. Right. Damn. <laughs> right. <laughs> One other thing that I've heard several times, not only from him, but from the other rest of the cast uh, from Full House is just how uh, close they were, you know, uh, during the show and years after Bob Saget had said in an interview that, you know, they'll occasionally all meet up and get together Okay. and they'll go um, out to dinner or something. And he said, the looks that you get from people... Are just absolutely incredible because you know it's like it's kind of like a fourth wall thing. <laughs> like, wait a minute, I thought they were a fictional family. What are they all? What are they all doing here having dinner together? But I, I just awesome. can't imagine um, actually having ever seen that. How incredible that would be to witness,
1: especially when you're not expecting it.
2: <laughs> oh no, how could you ever? <laughs> that's just that's the exact
1: point. Like, Triple take, like
2: what? <laughs> you would never expect it, but and how close him, Dave Coulier, and John Stamos were. You know, they were really tight friends, but they all were kind of collectively, I guess, had a raunchy sense of humor with each other. And I remember one story Bob Saget telling, I don't know if it was on a podcast or what, but this was years ago. He talked about a time when they were, the three of them were going out, and they were in a limousine. They, it, was, it was Bob and uh, Dave, they were going to pick up John, <laughs> And there was a uh, headshot that either Dave had brought along or it was just in the limousine. (laughs) Oh, my God, this is crazy. And so they they pulled up to John's house and Bob got out and went to get John. Okay, Okay. While he was gone, Dave cut the mouth out (laughs) of the John Stamos headshot. And when they came back to the car... (laughs) i guess dave had his pants down and his dick through that the hole (laughs) nice Uh, there's nowhere i would have ever expected that As soon as they said he cut the mouth out i would have said okay he's holding it up to his face saying something else never would have i expected him to have his dick through the hole but i mean it's just a window in on the just how close they were and the kind of humor they had each other you know Man, I I really don't have a whole lot more to say uh, on Bob Saget. What about you guys? Anything else? Did you, in your research today, Brian, or yesterday, did you uh, uncover anything that's not really known?
0: Yeah, I don't think this is particularly well known, but something that I found kind of fascinating, fascinating and interesting. When he was in high school, he was originally planning to be a doctor. That was his career goal. Right. And um, his. Let's see, his honors English teacher, Elaine Zimmerman, saw his creative potential and urged him to get into comedy and films. And uh, how cool is it to have a teacher in your life willing to say, you know, doctors be great, but you're a creative person. This is, this is what your path should be or could be. Sure. I thought that was very cool. Had you heard that?
2: No. I had just, I had seen some facts on him while I was looking around today and I had just seen a title that said at one point he was thinking about being a doctor, but I hadn't heard everything about the teacher saying that because you would expect, you know, if it's coming between acting and being a doctor, (laughs) that any teacher would be like, oh, well, yeah, you definitely want to go for that. Right,
1: right. Yeah. Be the doctor. (laughs)
2: But uh, a teacher that could actually see the, the potential, that's truly amazing. That is amazing. Uh, you saying that made me remember I took some screenshots of some facts today, one of which uh, he started comedy when he was 17 years old. And uh, he said his first joke was, and I quote, I have the brain of a German shepherd in the body of a 16-year-old boy. They're both in my car. Do you want to see them? <laughs> <laughs> nice oh man and that's uh one of his first big breaks before uh full house was he was doing a cbs morning show for a short time which Mm. i found almost kind of funny I, i think it was very short lived but when he was on full house he played danny tanner's job was a uh morning tv show host it was like wake up san francisco or something right okay so I thought that was kind of funny. I wonder if they wrote that in because of his previous job just like or if it's was just a, just a coincidence or something. I'm not sure, but.
0: I did I, not know that.
2: Yeah, That's, I hadn't uh,
0: Makes me think of uh, David Letterman and his stint as a weatherman, weatherman on a local news affiliate. <laughs> I something didn't know that, that. Yeah, he spent like six months as a local TV weatherman. I mean, he's no Jim Ganahl, but. You know,
1: <laughs> well, I mean, nobody can hold a candle to Jim Ganahl. I mean, come on. Oh. That's
2: how we know Brian's from Columbus, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I <laughs> worked with him and Ben Gelber for 10 years.
2: <laughs> oh, you worked with them directly?
0: Yeah, 10 years.
2: Man, well, we need to get to talking about that. Uh, I've gotten nothing else to really mention on Bob Saget. I just want, thought we needed to talk about it. Unless you guys have anything else, we can move on.
0: Uh, I think I'm good. Godspeed. Bob yeah
2: and rest in peace thoughts with his uh friends and family what a yeah, horrible sure. thing and so unexpected so uh yeah rest in peace bob we're going to go to a quick commercial break and when we come back we're going to be talking with brian Erdy. so stick around All right, we are back from commercial. And again, joined by Brian Erty. Brian, thank you so much for being here, man. It's awesome to have you back on the show and finally able to uh, actually pick your brain about everything (laughs) it is you do, because there's so many things on your roster, it's hard for me to even kind of focus on one thing. So where where does your uh, journey actually begin? You you were uh, in Atlanta, Georgia now, but you did start here in Columbus, Ohio. So how did, did you get your start? Where does where does your beginning start?
0: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm from Columbus, from Grove City, uh, born and bred, and um, I was set to be an art teacher. That's, that was my uh, major in high school, and um, my art teacher at the time brought in a, um, uh, brought in a video camera, bought, bought a video camera, which at the time was a pretty exciting thing. Sure. And he was like, look, uh, art is more than just pens and paint and sculpting. Art is cinematography mm-hmm. and set design and script writing and acting. And he goes, "What we're going to do is we're going to spend a, a, a couple weeks, and we're go- everyone's going to break off into teams, and we're going to make a movie." And the first time I had an opportunity to play with camera and edit and add music and titles and create something that you could sit back and watch, that was it. I, I mean, I changed my major. I ended up going to Ohio State uh, for uh, communications and production, and that has been my career ever since. And it's uh, manifested itself in many different ways, from you know working at production houses and local news. Um, but my experience behind the camera um, and being able to ed- edit and you know create videos is my first passion, and I can't ever see myself not doing it now. I've done enough videos and I've been short of talent enough times that I've been able to comfortably step in front of a camera and, um, and not do too shabbily. And that kind of led into um, the movie critic stuff. And I was working at NBC four at the time. And there was a sports reporter named Joe Weasel. Don't know if you guys remember the name, but he was also a, um, morning show host for CD-101 Radio. And they had a guy who called in once a week named Mr. DVD. And he would talk about all the new releases. And he quit. So I was walking by Joe one time and in the sports department. And he goes, uh, Hey, Erty, you're a big movie nerd, aren't you? I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. And he, and, he, and he explained what was happening. And he And he says, look, Mr. DVD quit. I think you could come on board and I think you'd do a great job on air. Are you interested? And I was like, I, I could do that. So I brainstormed with some of my friends and we came up with the name Dr. DVD. And I was Dr. DVD on CD 101 for 10 years. Oh, wow. And uh, it was a great experience by itself. But where that led was um, at NBC4, our web guy, had heard my radio segment. He goes, that's, he goes, you're really funny. He goes, do you work off of a script? And I was like, well, kinda. And, he, and he's like, look, if, if you could turn your, what you say and what you do on CD 101 into a script, I'll give you a column. And uh, I'll give you a weekly column. And I was like, oh, great. So, so I started jumping into that. And about six months after that, the news director at NBC4 um, read my column, took the time to seek out my radio show and listen to it. And he he approaches me and he says, look, I'm not going to give you any money for this, but I will give you two minutes every Friday on our noon show if you're interested. And that was great. uh, Sure, it sounds fantastic. And when you're on radio, when you're doing the internet, the studios, uh, at, at least at the time, they were like, well, you can go to some screenings early. We'll send you some DVD screeners, stuff like that. But when you're broadcast... And you have an audience of a hundred thousand people every week, that's when you start getting invited to stuff like press junkets and going to New York, LA, London, Russia, Toronto, Miami, Jesus. and see mu and see movies weeks early, interview celebrities, um, do one-on-one sit-downs, not not round tables, but you're in a room one-on-one with them. And uh, once I started doing that, I was like, OK, I don't I don't I don't ever want to stop. This is fantastic. <laughs> and here we are 18 years later.
2: Incredible. And and there's been uh, quite a roster of people you have interviewed. I mean, just a few I was seeing, uh, Danny Elfman, William Shatner, Linda Hamilton, uh, Willem Dafoe. Willem
1: Dafoe, Tom Holland. Mm-hmm.
2: The list goes on. Matthew and- McConaughey.
0: <laughs> yeah, Matthew McConaughey. All right,
2: all right. <laughs> you uh, you still get nerves in, your, in the belly, butterflies when you're sitting in front of these people, or is it just you know, like another day?
0: One of the pieces, one of the best pieces I I ever got was um, very early on. I was really I'd done a couple little junkets, but but I was doing a big one. It was for a movie called Sky High. You remember that? It's a it, it was a like Disney a, film.
2: Yeah, it was yeah about a bunch of uh, like teenagers who were tr- going to be superheroes. Yeah.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now the lead in that movie is Kurt Russell, and I have followed Kurt Russell. I'm older than you guys. I remember him on Gilligan's Island, and all the Disney movies in the '70s, The Strongest Man in the World, Snake Plissken, oh, The yeah. Thing. Oh, I'm a, I'm a fan. And the I, some of the earlier interviews I'd done, I'd done Gilbert Godfrey which was fun. He, I, didn't, I didn't have nerves with him. But interviewing Kurt Russell, I was nervous. I was really, really uptight. And um, uh, one of the guys I'd gotten to be friends with on the junket circuit, a guy named Greg, he tells me, he goes, act like you've done it before. He goes, don't go in and ask for pictures. Don't be nervous. Just engage him in a conference. He's just a guy. Act like you've done it before. Don't be stupid. Don't draw attention to yourself have a good interview, make it a conversation and you'll be fine. So it's rare that I get nervous. And and the last time I can think of that I was really uptight going into an interview was with uh, Tommy M. Jones.
2: Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
0: imagine what happened. He, well, he has a um, reputation um, and this is pretty well known, but especially amongst the people that do press junkets, um, he has a reputation of being just a uh, curmudgeon. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he gets really upset really, really quickly. So I'm like, okay, I come up with a series of three or four questions and, and to, to understand what a press junket is, basically you're at the Four Seasons Beverly Hills and they clean out an entire hotel room and they set it up with lights and a microphone, two chairs, everything's all you have to do is walk in. They introduce you, they give you a little countdown. You have your four to five minutes. So I walk in and I've got four of the most boring, bland, don't upset Tommy Lee Jones questions that I can come <laughs> up
2: with.
0: And I walk in and um, Dave is, uh, Mr. Jones is Brian from uh, Atlanta. And and I sit down. And my first question is, and I, honestly, I don't even remember the movie, but I, I was like, so tell me how this project came into your world. And he looks at me. What the hell kind of question is that? My agent sent me a script. I read the script and they paid me a lot of money to make this movie. Certainly not enough money to sit here with you during amateur hour. And I'm like, oh. And and where do you go from there? How do you, I mean, where do you go? All I could do is just sort of bow my head and plow forward and, and hope that I can get stitched together sixty seconds of good copy that I can use in my segment. Otherwise, it's it's just going to be a bust. But yeah, that, that that wasn't fun at all.
2: So did the other questions pick it back up at all? Did he have similar reaction to the other ones? Was he just done, or was were you able to pull it back around? Because I, I know on this show, I know it doesn't compare to like what you do by any means, but uh, you know there have been times where I you know we sit down super excited to talk to somebody. And almost immediately, either go south or something like that happens, right, and right. your soul just falls down into your ass, and you just yeah. want to kind of hang up or be done, but you don't because you got to, you know, you have something yep. to release for that week. So, like, was that moment, did, were you able to pull that back at all? Did it, or was it just uh, done at that point?
0: You know, I have, I've heard all these stories about Tommy Lee Jones, and I often wondered if it was just his shtick. Hmm. So I laughed. And I said, "Yep, yeah, Amateur Hour, guilty as charged." So tell me about your character. And I just immediately jumped in there, sort of did a little self-deprecating acknowledgement, like, "Yeah, I'm a screw up, but I'm a nice screw up." So let's move <laughs> forward. Yeah. Tell me about your tell me about your character. And um, and then he got into it. And um, as is typical with such a short time window, the he. He, he really got into talking about his character and, and we, we had gone by this point about six minutes mm. and the room producer who's behind Tommy Lee Jones is like, rap up, rap up, rap up. and I'm like, I'm not the one talking. He's the <laughs> one talking. Okay. Why can't you be behind me and give him the signals? But, um, that's the only thing I could think to do. And it, and it seemed to work. Okay.
2: Yeah. Like you're going to dare cut him off right after, after that. that experience.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> right man
2: get up and hit me wow i just i'm picturing uh it was agent k now like that just hearing that voice you know like damn how intimidating (laughs) that would be like with like him or jack nicholson like i would imagine having same kind of a demeanor
1: have you ever interviewed somebody and had like an expectation of how they were but it like totally like blew your mind and they were completely different
2: yeah
0: absolutely um William Shatner was kind of a disaster because he was, um, I don't know how much you love William Shatner, but he is either either, (laughs) he's either very thoughtful and inquisitive or that's the image that he likes to put out there. So I was, I was very curious in, in talking with him, um, to see how much of that is shtick versus who he actually is. And I got introduced to him and, he says what where are you from what do you do and i said uh i am from uh columbus ohio i live in georgia but um i'm a video editor and a film critic he goes film critic he says tell me why you think you have the right to criticize a piece of work that maybe thousands of people have worked on and passionately put all of their Sweat and and love and effort into creating this product, and you can dismiss it with a hand wave. And I'm like, okay, that's not what we're supposed to be talking about, but <laughs> because it's my, my job, you know, what? How do you how do you answer that? And and I did my best to kind of give him my, you know, my my thought and my thought process, which is, and here's what I said to him: I was like, look. Pre-pandemic, if you go to a movie and you go to an IMAX movie and it's 3D and you have to park and you have three kids, that could cost you $150. Sure. So I'm not trying to criticize, you know, the effort and everything that went into your film. I'm just here to say maybe not spend $150 on it because it's sort of meh. And rent it for three bucks with a two dollar two liter and some microwave popcorn. That's right. the approach I'm taking. And and he, he softened up a little bit and backed off a little bit from that. But that was kind of disappointing because I was expecting, you know, Shatner. Right. And, right. and I and I've got like Evil Kirk.
2: <laughs> we had had uh one of our first interviews years back before she passed away was yvonne craig who was um oh. she was marta the slave dancer on star trek that's how she got to work with him and she had talked about uh how he was just kind of unbearable to work with at the time just his ego kind of uh preceded his kindness you know what i mean but one thing that i had uh just recently heard about him was, you know, hey just not too long ago, within the past month or two, was actually taken into space or at least into the outer orbit mm-hmm. and then came right. down. And I was watching coverage of that on YouTube. <laughs> and right when I don't remember how they came back in, I don't know, you know, if they were in a capsule that landed or maybe it was one of those rockets that lands itself. I can't remember. But as the thing is coming down, a tweet comes through on his uh uh, twitter account saying oh what a miraculous thing this was and just over over zealous response to what he had just experienced but he couldn't have possibly typed (laughs) that tweet up there you know it wasn't possible especially when it came through so it was obviously preconceived uh made before it had ever even happened and scheduled to post. And I just thought, well, that's kind of a letdown, you know, right. obviously not genuine, but, um, I had heard many similar things like that about the man before, but I, you know, I don't know him. It's just, I just can't imagine the audacity uh, to come down on somebody the way uh, he did on you without even knowing them. Like just saying I'm a film critic and then jump in your ass for that. Like it's my job, Dick. <laughs> and, qu- and quickly, I mean, it was, it, <sighs> and it was the, it
0: was the polar opposite to answering your original question to meeting, um, you know, I've ended up interviewing Kurt Russell like four times now. And you want to talk about somebody who I thought was going to be sort of intimidating, but couldn't have been nicer and is smart enough to, by the by, the third time that I interviewed him, he knew my name. Wow. I walked in and they say, uh, this is, he goes, Brian from Ohio. How are the Buckeyes? Wow. Just he he's the best
2: couldn't be nicer that's so refreshing yeah so refreshing to hear because again you never know you Mm. never know what you're going to get i'm sure Mm. and i was gonna one of the things i had written down is uh just what's one of the worst experiences you've had but i think you've already answered that (laughs) between uh, tommy lee jones and william shatner or or are there any experiences that precede those
0: um sometimes you come across um celebrities that the actors that are just, they're either tired or they're bored. They're getting asked the same question over and over and over and again. And mm-hmm. and again, the reason you do that is because if you ask stupid questions, interviews go off the rails and they, so they get the same questions because people are using that the same way. Stockard Channing um, wasn't buying what I was selling when I was interviewing her. She was just really irritated. And my five minute interview window, I'd finished up with all six of my prepared questions in about two minutes because I was getting oh, wow. yes and no answers. And the most awkward interview that I was really uncomfortable was with um, a Heath Ledger.
2: Oh holy wow. shit! How how this so? Was, Why was it awkward?
0: It was about a year before Dark Knight. In fact, they were they were filming Dark Knight, okay. but they let um, Heath take a break because he was. Um, promoting a film that he'd already finished called Casanova. I was really excited about interviewing Heath because, you know, all the controversy about him being cast as the Joker and how divisive that was. And I just, I was really curious to see what he was like. I mean, this, this guy's going to be the new Joker. How cool is that? I couldn't wait to talk to him. So I'm, um, uh, I, think we, I think we were in New York for this. And um, I just... Couldn't wait to get in there. And I'm on deck and I call my name and I go in. And he, says, he this is Brian Erdy. I sit down and he doesn't, he doesn't get up to shake my hand, which is unusual. But sometimes actors, especially if they're like germaphobes, it, it happens. So I didn't think twice about it, but um, they're like, okay, we have speed go. And I'm, I'm on the clock. And I couldn't, I couldn't get him to make eye contact with me. And he was just sort of giggling his way through answers and i thought maybe he's drunk but i've seen drunk actors in, on junkets before i'm not going to mention names because i don't want to get sued but a, right. uh, another former actor who played batman i've seen sloshed trying to do interviews at a junket it's i i, I can recognize that hmm. this he, he i mean he, he just looked high and he I couldn't get him to focus on me long enough to give me a 60 second answer to any one of my questions. He was, he'd be talking about his daughter and he was hot and he wanted water and, you know, knowing what we know in hindsight about, you know, the demons he was fighting with opioids and, and all of that, it makes a lot more sense. And I've told this story a number of times to, you know, some friends of mine. This is the first time I've publicly talked about it, and um, they they were like, you know, can we see the video? And I I I'd, I'd been having I I know this doesn't matter compared to the terrible things that Heath Ledger went through and and what ultimately happened, but I was having a bad hair day, and I I was just I looked frumpy. I didn't I just felt I didn't feel right. I didn't look good, and when I posted that interview, such that I could manage to cobbled together something that resembled a, a, a coherent, you know, discussion back and forth. Within, I post on YouTube and within, within an hour, let me remind you, I, I look I, I looked terrible. Within an hour, somebody on YouTube said, it sure is nice that they let people with Down syndrome interview celebrities.
2: Oh my God.
0: <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm just, okay, that one's going down. That, that, that one's going away.
2: oh my god uh,
1: that's youtube for you all the trolls come out that's people
2: for you there's oh my god that is horrible but when
0: when i heard what happened to to heath ledger i i just i thought you know i hate to say it but i got a little touch of that and it was it was very very sad
2: you've been doing this again what eight you said 18 years now 18 years Wow, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. I can't imagine some of the other stories you've got lingering around.
1: (laughs) And I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep picking your brain or hogging the interview, Jeremy. No, no,
2: you're
1: fine. My question, I guess, in that and kind of on a lighter note, have you interviewed somebody over multiple times over that period that you've kind of seen grow as an actor and like, hey, I remember when you like started out in, you know, this super small part and now you're like this big A-list celebrity.
0: You know, Mila Kunis... Okay. is somebody that I've done a ton of junkets for. And, you know, going from that 70s show to, you know, some of the little tiny movies that she did, all the way up to her amazing performance in Black Swan. I loved talking with her and, and watching her, her growth as an actress and to be taken seriously enough to be put in that role, which was, I mean, had required some brave stuff going sure. into that film and um she is a lot of fun um I, I have a couple things a couple links i'll send you but my favorite interview is like a, it's just a little clip at the very end of an interview i'll send to you guys because there is nothing that is a, a more euphoric feeling than making um, my lacunas like gut laugh like laugh out <laughs> loud <laughs> that is a uh, that is a wonderful experience
2: that is that's awesome. cool man how cool we, oh, man, I could sit here and just pick your brain forever on that, but we've got other stuff to get to uh, really quick here. Uh, sure. One thing that you have down is also, it's on my paper and on your shirt, uh, the House of Waffles, you, your cartoons that you do. And I just, uh, I'm very curious if you can tell the listeners a little bit about it and uh, the inspiration behind it.
0: When the pandemic hit, um, as, as I mentioned before, I was an art major in high school, so I know how to draw, but getting into video production i i kind of drifted away from it and when the pandemic hit i got my ipad pro and got an ipad or i uh, apple pencil mm-hmm. and i picked up drawing again and i was like okay I'm, a, I'm i'm going to draw something and i started thinking about it and it's like okay well what do i want to see that doesn't exist and it i was hit with the idea of What if the movie Jaws appeared as a Sunday comic strip in the Columbus dispatch? What would that look like? Okay. Okay. So I drew a little six panel Jaws just, and a lot of them are kind of dad jokes. I mean, you you have to know the movies to be able to get the jokes. And I started posting them on the Jaws Facebook group and the people on that board went nuts and kept encouraging me to do more. So I did a dozen or so and then I moved on and I started doing other franchises I started doing okay, well what if what does the movie Day of the Dead look like as a Sunday morning <laughs> newspaper cartoon and I moved on to The Thing, Dune, uh, some Star Trek stuff and um, I had a, a I had a rep see some of my stuff and say look your stuff is funny but you're doing other people's work you need to start doing some of your own original stuff because if i i would love to be able to pitch your stuff to be picked up possibly syndicated but you're not going to do it by making cartoons about jaws right or scooby-doo right and i'm like okay so i backed off and i started coming up with original um like one panels three panels six panels um some of it's uh can lean towards some political jokes. Sometimes it's just I, I love um, taking products and mashing them together in a way that is unnatural and funny. One of my comic strips is um, you're familiar with the household cleaner Spick and Span.
2: Oh yeah.
0: And I thought, well, why not Spick and Spam? <laughs> <laughs> you know, mop those floors with that greasy, greasy, fresh smell, and like this. Cartoon here on my shirt is I don't I don't even know Little Orphan Annie's dog's name, but the dog is standing over a passed out Little Orphan Annie, and it's just a riff on the Michael Jackson song "Smooth Criminal." Annie, are you okay? (laughs) Are you okay? Are you okay, Annie?
2: I saw a few online that had me uh, cracking up today. One of them it was just simply titled "The Jefferson Memorial," and it was George Jefferson's head, <laughs> head on a, on like a pillar. It was all that had me cracking up. and also um, the tw- the Taylor Swiffer pads. It's said very 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 absorbent, very needy <laughs> I lost it, man. Those were, those are brilliant. Those are absolutely brilliant. I would love to uh, see more of them. Where, where can uh, I and the listeners uh, check out a full catalog of these? Are they on Facebook or?
0: Yes. Um, for now, um, (laughs) some, some things are in motion and, um, but for now you can check out if you want to see movie stuff that I've done interviews and stuff like that. Um, my franchise is called movie planet. It's got a Facebook page of its own movie planet and uh, uh, I also have the Brian's House of Waffles Facebook page with uh, probably a good 60 comics posted so far and I've been encouraged to um, kind of get a backlog of these things so I've been I haven't posted many recently that's because I'm trying to get as many done as possible for a pitch so we'll see it's exciting. Awesome. Very
2: exciting. Yeah. It's good content and it's right in our wheelhouse. Love those, <laughs> love those comics, especially the ones that uh, make us laugh. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Man,
2: this has been so freaking fun to talk with you, Brian. I'm so glad we got you back on and we're definitely going to have to do it again in the Hell future. Yeah. Is there anything else uh, before we go that uh, you want to mention that we didn't touch on?
0: Um, I don't think so. The the movie Planet and the House of Waffles, um, uh, I, I appreciate you giving the nods for that. And, um, I'll leave you with one last comment about, um, the Taylor Swipper cartoon. Yeah. I know, I know that I have achieved success when my 23 year old daughter will, will see the cartoon when I post it and she'll be like, Oh my God, dad, that kind of reaction that that horrified, I cannot believe you did that. That is when I like, okay,
1: that's the pinnacle right there. I huh? did something right. <laughs> that's success.
2: thank you so
0: much this has been a blast
2: no man thank you this has been fantastic and we're gonna have to do it again in the future have you gone just to hang out with us sometime because we really enjoy your company man it's been so much fun so thank you oh really quick uh just recapping something from the last time you're on i know you said you occasionally check online to see if you can find that polaroid that you mentioned in the halloween episode any luck any success
0: no and i mean i went to i mean different browsers i i went deep and couldn't find anything mm-hmm. and uh i'm not giving up because that's um that 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 was too profound of a, a moment for me as a kid that sure. someday that's going to pop up and hopefully they're going to somebody's going to find it in in a book and be like what is this and hopefully yeah. they'll post it online
2: I've got to look up what episode that was of ours really quick. It wasn't that long ago. It was just, again. Um, was the Halloween episode. That's episode uh, 414, the 2021 Halloween special. So check that out. And again, Brian, thank you so much, man. It's always a pleasure. You bet. We'll see you next time. Randy, what do we got on the website, sir?
1: Go to cannedairpodcast.com. Check out previous episodes, our Hall of Heroes, our uh, previous guests we've had on the show. And if you're interested, uh, give us a shout on our contact page.
2: And don't forget to find us on Twitter at cannedairpod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. And once again, that website Randy was talking about has a merch button and a Patreon button, two ways you can support us. And get some cheese, not cheese, you're giving us the cheese. Get some <laughs> you product. get
1: something for the cheese. <laughs> exactly,
2: something for said cheese. And um, anything else?
1: Uh, if you're interested in being a part of the Candair Street team, let us know.
2: Yeah. Reach out to us. Contact page, social media, Facebook. There's a million ways to reach out, people. If you don't know how, then you're not interneting properly. <laughs> so I think that's going to do it for this week. Until next time, I am Jeremy Collie. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And Brian Erdy. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other.
1: Mean, so I'm running away from home. Where you gotta go?
2: I don't know yet, but that'll show them. (laughs) It sure will. Shipwreck! Parents just don't understand, and it gets lonely on the road, so be sure to listen to the Canned Air podcast. And now we know. And knowing is half the battle.
0: G.I. Joe!
2: This has been a Canned Air production.